mobile home and, and we didn't have much. Matter of fact, you could say we had nothing. I went to a local farmer and bought a 10 by 50 mobile home that he had just purchased to use as a chicken coop for his chickens. And old Mr. Hafler was in his 80s and he was our friend. He said, Tom, you can have it. I think you got some work to do. And we did. And Pastor and Mrs. Auckland came out and God used that man in our lives. He said, Tom, I want you to know some things. He said, God's put you as the spiritual leader of your family. And my, I didn't introduce my wife. God has blessed me for 45 years with a treasure. Cheryl, stand up. Uh, that's my wife. <laughs> Cheryl, uh, Cheryl and I lived in this mobile home, and as Pastor Auckland came out, he said, Tom, I want you to understand some things that are very important to me. And he said, they're important to me because they're important to God. He said, the Lord has given us a body of believers. And he said, I want you to know that every time the church doors are open, I want you to be there. I did not appreciate that truth as much then as I did as I grew in the Lord. Went to Bible Institute in that church for three years. I'll never forget Pastor Auckland telling me, Tom, I want you to get a Nave's top topical Bible because people are going to always ask questions. And you've got to have something that's a resource. He said, I want you to get a Vines expository of old New Testament words. You can understand what the word of God says. He said, I want you to get a strong concordance. He said, unless you're a weaker queer Christian and you need to use a Young's. Now that you need to smile at that. I got a Young's. OK. <laughs> and I am so grateful. For an incredible God that I trusted as my savior, my parents farm at the age of 10. Every night, about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, my mom and dad would say, it's time to hit the old wooden hill. And on that old farmhouse, we had a set of steps. And at the bottom of the steps was a door. And us four kids would walk upstairs, and dad had closed that door because that gave him some peace and quiet. Him and mom were downstairs. 8.30 at night, we'd go up 9 o'clock again, and we had one Christian radio station that we could get at our farm. It was WBYO 107.5 down in Pennsylvania. And I'll never forget that night sitting up at the top of the steps because I would sit there with my brothers. We were supposed to be in bed and we'd listen to the radio and Oliver B. Green was preaching. And as Oliver B. Green preached, a holy God came down to a young man who was dead in his trespasses and sin. I did not choose God. God in his goodness, through the preaching of his word, turned that light on in my heart and drew me to see my need of a savior because I was lost and dead in my sin. I was going to give my testimony at the end, but I'm going to keep going for a little bit. 2001, I shut down a construction business at the time when construction was really starting to pick up. I had been in business 25 years. God had blessed in so many ways. and We don't have time for all that God does when you trust in him and the prayers that he can answer and the things he can use you for. I shut that business down at the end of our tax year, April 15th. I had just gotten my bus driving license because we had a we had a school, a church, Faith Christian Academy. And I got my bus driving license so that I could drive bus for activities with the kids, taking the kids on trips. I just shut the business down. I had soreness sitting in the seat. Of the bus for long drives. Went in to get checked. Uh, 
thought I had something they called a simple problem called a pyelonidal cyst, but it ended up being something much more serious. I had cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer called chordoma. It is untreatable. Don't, don't let the facts affect what I'm going to say because it's an incredible God. That, that tumor at, at, at the size of a quarter has a 40% fatality rate. They went in for a minor operation, and I had no idea that I, that I had this problem. They thought, again, I had a polynidal cyst, and they came back out. And, you know, today I'm talking about being blessed. We're, we're looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Pastor last week preached and spoke about the testimony of Elisha. And the king coming to him at the end of his days, Elisha's ready to leave. And you know what? The king had something more important. What's going to happen to our country? I want you to know our testimony is vital. Don't ever quit. Don't ever stop. When God wants to take you home, God wants you home. I found out I had cancer. Had no idea how serious it was. I'll never forget, I was 47 years old. I'm 65 today as I stand before you. Again, it was 2001, and Cheryl was beside me in the hospital. And, and she's a precious wife. I look over, and there, you, ever, you ever, for men, when you look at your wives, and you see tears coming down the cheeks, nothing, just, you know, tears do. And boy, it melts your heart. And I look over, and that's how she is, and she says, Tom, what are we going to do? And you know, there are some things that God has just indelibly pressed on my feeble mind. And one of the things was that day, I said, Cheryl, we've been excited and praying about God's will. This must be it. And I got out of that bed and we got on our knees in that hospital. And you know what we did? We thanked the Lord for his goodness. Do you know how many Christians today? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Our God is incredible. He has promised in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But he's also promised us, and you go through scripture, you see it again and again, that you know what? He brings us where he wants us so that his will can be accomplished because we live in a world that is dead in their trespasses and sin. And, and, and I have people yet today that come up and say, oh, Tom, aren't you grateful you're free from cancer? You know what? I have no idea if I'm free from cancer. Only God knows. I tell you what I am free from. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I am free from I am free from the penalty of sin. As I humbly stand before you today, and you know it's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in our hearts. As we gather, as we worship, as his word goes forth, we have an incredible God. When Jesus left this earth, in Matthew chapter 28, we read this incredible commission that is given all the time, yet he starts that commission in Matthew chapter 28 and saying, all power in heaven and on earth. That is our Savior. The God who works through us. I, I had taken Bible Institute to Faith Baptist Church. I had the precious opportunity to serve as a deacon for many years in that church. I'll never forget when I first was elected to be a deacon in the 1980s, Pastor David Auckland, again, who was the pastor, he sat down with this, all of his deacons, new group, and it was a large church, about 500 folks in that church. I was, and, and as I had that precious opportunity, he said, men, he said, I tell you what, we're going to change things in our deacons meetings. He said, 
You know, too many times, and I, you know, I need to be careful. I don't want to be careful. I'll, I'll, I'll just speak my heart. Pastor Auckland said, I want you to know something. He said, we have churches today that are run by deacon boards, and we need churches that minister together as servants before the Lord. The pastor ministers, the deacons lift his hands up. The deacons work so that together as a ministry, Jesus Christ is seen through their giftedness and through the giftedness in that church. And we spent a year in deacons meetings going through the Bible. And God blessed. I grew in the Lord. When I found out I had cancer, I had never had any schooling. When I, I mean, I graduated from high school, whether that's important or not. I had gone to Bible Institute for three years at church. I, I, I can tell you that I was blessed because I had people that cared for me. And we not only made a habit of being in the church when the doors were open, but but we had groups of men that met one to two days a week at five o'clock in the morning. I started guys at the shop at 6.15, but we would meet for prayer and devotions. God, when we make choices, they're not sacrifices. There's blessings that come. And in 2001, when I found that I had the cancer, the Lord set me aside for two years. It was pretty serious. First hospital operated on me. And due to the fact that my cancer was untreatable, they decided to do experimental radiation. They uh, did that experimental radiation for 35 days. Maximum radiation took all surgery that was done and destroyed all tissue. And for the next six months, uh, we, we changed bandages six times a day in, in, a, in a wound. That was, it was kind of unique time in our life, in my wife's life in particular. I could not sit. I could not lay on my back. There are things you come to appreciate. That was that started again April 26th of 2001. We had a heart surgeon at our church, Brian Priest. What's his name? Brian had done had finished his studies out at Mayo Clinic, came back and did his residency in Philadelphia, New York. There's a, a large top-rated cancer facility in, in, in Philadelphia. It's called Fox Chase Cancer Research Center, and and the doctor that heads up that that whole cancer research center at that time was was Bert Eisenberg. Brian knew Bert, and Brian came to me at church. He said, Tom, I got a good friend who knows what there is to know about cancer. And he said, we're trusting in the Lord, but I want to send you to the man that's the best. I said, I said, Brian, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Well, it kind of went on for a long time. And finally, I thought, you know, Brian kept pestering me. I didn't say anything to Brian. I didn't want Brian called. I'll never forget. I called Fox Chase Cancer Research. I called up that hospital. Beginning in November 2001, I called the hospital, got the main desk. The lady said, can I put you on hold? She put me on hold. Next thing you know, a lady picked up the phone. She said, can I help you? I said, yes. I said, I've got a good friend at church. His name is Brian Priest. He's a doctor. He knows a gentleman down there at Fox Chase. He wanted me to give you folks a call. I said, back in April, I was operated on, found out it was cancer. Pretty serious, they say. Matter of fact, uh, I guess I'm not sure if anything could be done, but he wants me to call. And she said, I'm sorry, but Fox Chase does not take patients that other hospitals have worked on. And I said, that is fine. And she said, what do you mean it's fine? I said, you know what? Please understand this. With all my heart, I've trusted in Jesus Christ. And I said, I've had the opportunity every day since then. I've made a commitment to try to give my testimony to people, to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I said, God's good. He's good all the time. This is fine. And she said to me, you're kidding. I said, no. She said, can you hold a minute? I said, yes. I had called and gotten the main desk and was put on hold. Dr. Bert Eisenberg's 
personal secretary inadvertently pushed the wrong button on the fourth floor and picked me up. Dr. Eisenberg couldn't operate on me right, right away because of the seriousness of what, I, of what I had. I guess from a bone surgeon standpoint and a, whatever they call it, a plastic surgeon that rebuilt things. He said, Tom, I need the best that are here. And he said, those two guys have staggered vacations in November. He said, I can't operate on you. He said, you need to be operated on right away. I said, I'm fine. They couldn't do the operation until December 10th of 2001. They said I would never walk again. They said I would never be able to resume any type of work activity. And it's incredible. Um, they wanted to know if I wanted to sue the first hospital that had made the mistake of the radiation and all the tissue. I said, I've never just sued anyone. I said, I just trusted in the Lord. It's good. It's okay. You know, it's amazing. And no one's ever told me this, but I think when the radiation killed all that tissue, it also exposed all the cancer. Because they went in and they had no idea. I mean, so many things. I'm taking too much time. They had the bone specialist there. They went in and took out more. I don't know how much you know about your tailbone. But your tailbone controls bodily functions and everything else. And they took out far more than they were supposed to because of the cancer. I was in that hospital after they operated on me. And they did not bandage anything on me. Matter of fact, they put me in an open tent. I was on my belly in an open tent because they didn't know if I would heal. Not only was I on my belly in an open tent, but they put me in what looked like a cast iron tub. It had a plastic sheet on it, and it was for comatose people. It was kept at 98.6 degrees, and it had sand with air jets shot up to hit you to create circulation so comatose people could be there and survive. I was fully awake, fully fine. I was getting pummeled. <laughs> All I could do is, and I'm so grateful for Word of Life Bible Clubs. I'm so grateful that my instructors, as a little farm boy, encouraged me to memorize verses. I sat there and I just kept saying those verses out loud and singing hymns. And they, the guy next to me. He didn't like me. But I was underneath, I was under that tent. And I'll never forget the psychiatrist coming in from Fox Chase Cancer Research and saying to me, Tom, we want to know what your secret is because what you've endured as a fully conscious person is something that's worse than the, some of our soldiers had to endure in Vietnam and, and other places with water torture. Well, I was never tortured. God was so good. I just kept praying and singing. And, and I say all that. I got out of that and didn't know what to do. And I went to Calvary Baptist Theological Seminary, standing up in the back of that seminary for stand-in, took 15 credit hours standing the first semester, went in, second semester, and what a blessing. And then Rob Worthington, a missionary that our church had supported for many years, came home from the Philippines. He and his wife and their children, their children were growing up. They were on the island of Samar. At that time, Samar, they called it a fifth world nation. They literally, it was, it was below. And he said, the girls were reaching teenage years. He said, I have to, I have to bring them home. And Rob came home. The Lord opened the door for him to come up to the Catskill Mountains, Catskill Mountain Missionary Association, a church planning, church strengthening organization. I had shut down the business. So far, God had supplied all our needs. It was incredible. And again, in the midst of all that, Rob came and said, Tom, would you come and minister with us in New York State? Pastor Auckland 
as in Pastor Auckland, who will be junior, Pastor Dave had passed on, and his son, Pastor Paul Auckland, who was my age, was pastor of our church. And Pastor Paul Auckland, who I knew all my life, came to me and made probably what my wife thought was the most fantastic job offer that's been offered ever, she said ever. <laughs> pastor Paul came to me, he said, Tom, Faith Baptist Church wants you to come on staff, and what we want you to do, we want you to spend the full year going around to every missionary that we have, encouraging them, ministering to them, being a help in their ministry, and doing whatever they need done on the mission field. And Cheryl was so excited about that because the same week that that took place, Rob asked if I come up to New York State in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we didn't know what to do. I told you I'd been in business for over 15 years, had a, had a place of business called Shemp Homes. It was out on Route 309 in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Route 309 is a pretty major artery. It goes from Philadelphia to Allentown. 72,000 cars a day go past where I had that business established. That building had sat vacant for two years, had never put it for sale. In 2004, in January, Rob Worthington had come to me and Pastor Paul had come to me at the same time asking me that question. And I didn't know what to do, so I called Rob up. I said, Rob, I can't leave because we've got too many strings that are attaching us here. You know how that is? You get stuff. I said, tell you what, you pray I sell the office this week. That office sat in that road. No one had ever approached me. There was no for sale sign on. I had never listed with a realtor. I called Pastor Paul up and I said, Pastor Paul, I'm telling you and I'm telling Rob Worthington, I'd like you to pray with me because for the next seven days, we're going to commit this to prayer. If God would bring a buyer for the office, he, I said, I'm going to go up to New York State and help Rob as opposed to what church has offered. And, and he laughed. We had a good time. He said, well, Tom, is it listed? I said, no. He said, what are we doing? I said, we're praying. I don't say this. Don't you ever tempt God. Okay. Don't you ever say, God, I'll do this if you do that. You just wait on the Lord, okay? And sometimes there's things you got to pray about. I called Pastor Paul and I spoke to him. And that following Saturday, our driveway sat 500, brought the house 500 feet off the road. We finally had a warm spell down there. We had snow on the ground. The snow melted and Cheryl's out in the driveway washing her vehicle because of all the salt and grunge and, and a car pulls in our driveway that Saturday and my wife cries easy. She started to cry again. Guy comes up and he says, is this where Tom and Cheryl Shemp live? And she said, yes. He said, I've had a hard time finding you. He said, you know, you know, your phone number's unlisted. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> he said, do you know, he said, there's, there's nothing for what we want to look at. And I had to go to the tax records, pull the tax records. They gave me the information for your home. He said, I'm coming to your home to speak to you. He said, is your husband here? Guy walked in my home. And I, I asked this man, he was there to buy our place of business. And I said to him, I said, do you believe God can use you? And he started to laugh and he said, I've never darkened the door of a church. <laughs> And I, I told, again, I got to share Jesus Christ with him sitting there. And we were all done. He said, can you meet down at Chalfont on Monday? And Monday I went down and I met with a money man. He and his partner were there. I walked in his office. Partner stood up, shook my hand. He said, first thing I want to tell you right now is he said, I am the finances for this business. And he said, I also want you to know that my object is not to cheat you, but I want to get it as cheap as possible. I said, okay, that's good to know. The man I had already met, Saturday, said, tell you, before you start anything, will you tell him those words? I said, what words? He said, those words you told me on Saturday. I told him. 
took a moment, gave my testimony. I was done. And that man looked at me and he says, you, you put the fear of God in my heart. He said, I don't know what you want for that building, but we'd like it. Whatever you want for it, we'll pay you. I had worked hard for many years. If you're in construction, you put nickels together. I'd started that business from nothing. I had no idea what God had for us. You know, if it was cleaning toilets in the church, I was grateful. But my fervor for the business had gone. And when God opened that door and this man provided, and he said, tell you what, well, do you know what? That gave me the opportunity to come up and, and work alongside Rob. We started a small church in Roxbury, and then Meredith Baptist Church was closing their doors. They had five people in Meredith, New York. Meredith Baptist Church came and asked if I'd be their pastor, and I was their pastor from 2006 to 2018. Small church, you need to pray. God has blessed you in this church. I don't say that lightly. He has greatly blessed you. You have a man of God that preaches the word of God. I've talked to Pastor Scott and I've told him, brother, I'm praying for you because I, I feel you've got far more in your plate than you need with the work that he does. And, and it's incredible. And, 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 and pray for your pastor. More importantly, pray for his wife and his kids. Satan wants to destroy this work and this testimony. He'll do it any way he can. I've been blessed by the deacons. I've been blessed by the men praying when communion is, is being served. And, and, and before, you know what? Folk, the ministries that take place in this church, you go through and, you know, I know there are Christians today that say this church has just too much. If I'm at everything, I have no life. Jesus Christ established the church so that it would be a collective light and salt. To the, you have wonderful, blessed opportunities with people that are using their giftedness. Yes, that's the truth. Art, first time I walked through that door, you know who shook my hand? You did. That's a blessing. Before I'd come to this church, we'd come to a couple concerts. Standing out at that door, there's a big burly guy that stands out there. His name's Kent. Every time I walked to that door, he shook my hand, smiled, and said, thanks for coming. There is no small part of the church of Jesus Christ. Every day, pray for your pastor. Pray for your deacons. Pray for your Sunday school teachers. Pray for every person that comes to your mind. I don't have time for that. I need to get into the word of God. I tell you what. You're blessed. We've had opportunity to go to a bunch of churches. Uh, again, last year, the first week in July was my last weekend at Meredith Baptist Church. And, and my mom is in a care facility. She lived with us for 10 years. She has pretty severe Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's and dementia right now. She is... Uh, uh, totally bedridden. She is at Front Street at Bridgewater Care. Fifth floor lockdown. Mom was hallucinating when she was living with us, having all types of problems. And, and, and they said I either had to lock her up or, or put cameras in there and monitor 24 hours a day. And I could not do that with my mom. One of the most difficult decisions I've ever made is to put my mom in a care facility as I had cared for her for 10 years. But we go to see her every week and I love on her. And every time I go there, even though she knows no one else, I'll kiss her and say, Mom, I love you. Last, last Sunday I left here. She can't speak any words at all. You won't have a conversation. Last Sunday I bent over, kissed her, said, Mom, I love you. And she said as clear as could be, I know you do. I love you. Every once in a while things come back. 
I'm grateful because the grace of God is evident and God's going to be calling her home, I'm sure, in the very near future. But because we go to see mom and it's best to see her in the morning, we come back here and we have found a wonderful place to worship. You're blessed. Your testimony as individuals, your testimony as a church is vital for the coming days that are before you. You need to understand that. We don't live in dark hours. Okay? Jesus Christ said these words to Peter. Peter, on this rock, and Peter is, is it Petros and Petra? Or is it, did I get it, I'll get it backwards, but I don't want to. Peter, you're a building stone, and on this foundation stone, that's Jesus Christ, I will build my church. The church is not a social organism that gathers. It's the bride of Christ. It's, it's God ordained to meet and to be a blessing to Almighty. And I tell you what, folks. From Sunday morning services to Sunday night services to Wednesday night prayer meeting to is it Tuesday night with basketball or whatever it is, whatever night's game night, which night? Seasoned saints. That was good. That's true. Thursdays. Okay, all the, the necessity to realize that you serve a living Savior. And this church stands as living proof. It is a rare commodity. Hamath Peters is a missionary I know well. He's an indigenous missionary from India. Just got to see him a couple months ago as he came across. He said, Tom, it burdens my heart because I get, as I go across New York State, he said, all I see are churches that are closed or churches that are dying. That's not God's fault. Christian, we need to realize what a mighty God we serve. How blessed we are. Satan has deceived us so that we think, and, and, and Pastor Scott read the verses last week from 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, not part, how much? All that is in the world. Well, again, I'm going to get it backwards. It's the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The, the lust of the flesh is it. Flesh, the eyes, pride, of life. pride of life. They're not of the Father. They're of the world. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, as we turn to your word, Lord, open our hearts to see the preciousness of our Savior. Father, that your name would be hallowed. What a mighty God we serve. Father, we bow before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Folk, I did not intend to do all that. And I apologize. I want you to take your Bibles. And I can't say real quick. I want you to take your Bibles and I'll finish up. We need to go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I've entitled my message today, Blessed. Do you know why? We're blessed. When the Apostle Paul wrote and said, in everything give thanks, we seem to miss some of the important aspects of that, don't we? In scripture reading this morning from Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. You know what? No matter what takes place, if you have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what are you? Blessed. blessed. Amen. Thank you. Let's take our Bibles. First John chapter 1, and I'd like to read verses 1 through 4. Did I pray? You know, part of the problem that I have, and I've always had this, I run on one track, and once the train goes past, whatever's behind it, <laughs> it gets worse than that. 
I laugh at Pastor Scott someday because I think, oh, man, I see some things. I don't know if he's going to get as bad as me. You know how he was talking about he gets his words mixed up, Elijah and Elisha and all that? Well, you stick with me. You read my thoughts, not my. First <laughs> John chapter one, verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I want to encourage you today because as you read that passage of scripture, first and foremost, the thing that comes to my mind as I look at this passage of scripture is this is John's testimony. He is an 80 plus year old man. He's an old man at this point. And you know what? He's lived his life. It's been 60 plus years since Christ hung on the cross. And his zeal has never diminished. The preciousness he ministered, they say, at this point in time in his life in at Ephesus and in, around, in that area around Ephesus, encouraging sons and daughters. One of the things you'll find important in this short book of five chapters, my little children, he'll say again and again. And there's a preciousness because as this seasoned saint ministered, he had never forgot the preciousness. Of his savior. What's amazing is as you read this portion of scripture, and you my first point is the realization of Jesus Christ, the revealing of him. But if you go to Revelation chapter 3, and John wrote first, second, third John, those epistles very close to the time, wasn't long after he wrote Revelation. You come to Revelation chapter 3, and one of the letters to the seven churches is addressed to the church at Ephesus. That was where he ministered. You read that letter and you know what? You think, wow, what a church. It's doing everything right. It's identifying the false teacher. It's standing on the truth. And then you see this phrase. But I have this against you. And I want you to know something. You could say I do everything right except one small thing. I are some small things that are really big. And he said to that church, you've left your first Love. His first, the first love of that church at Ephesus, and that's where John ministered. That's what this passage of scripture in First John chapter one, verses one through four. It's the realization of who Jesus Christ is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. That's the word of God. So that starts at what book? I didn't hear that rule out. Some of you know your Bible better than that. That starts at what book? Genesis. Genesis. And it goes all the way to what? Revelation and everything in between. There are the bookends. And the realization that God has given us is his words that we can know him. I get tired of hearing people say, you know what? I don't want. And, and again, if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. But I have people. I don't like reading the Old Testament. I, get, I only want to read the new. I want you to know something. How much of scripture is God inspired? All of it. The realization of our God. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He didn't teach him to pray as opposed to our, my Father. 
That's kind of unusual, isn't it? Do you know? One of the reasons that our testimony is so important, and John says this in 1 John 5, 2. He says, by this we know we love the children of God. Do you hear that? By this we know we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. Do you know churches are getting tore apart today because they've left their first love. They've gotten their eyes off of what is important. And, 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 and we become contentious. We become critical. Our youngest son, Josh, goes to a large church down in Pensacola, Florida. It's called Marcus Point Baptist Church. It's, you know, one of those churches. Doesn't matter. It's got a fan-shaped auditorium, but let's just say about 3,000 sit in it. And Josh... Josh and his wife, Christy, they had the opportunity to teach a, a married Sunday school class. And Josh said, you know something that was amazing, Dad? I did, a, I did a, a survey with our class. It was to be kept entirely private. Their responses were not to be shared. He said, I'm sharing them with you. He said, you know the, the people that are most excited about Marcus Point Baptist Church? I said, go ahead. He said, the people that either just started coming or have only been coming a short time. He said, you know the people that critique and criticize everything the most? I tell you what, does Satan want to tear this place down? We need to realize we have an incredible Savior. As, as you look at this passage of Scripture again, the first verse, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John knew the Savior. He walked with the Savior. He saw the Savior. And you know it's precious because as John wrote this letter, his whole heart under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was to convey that message to us. This is truth. He would tell us in John chapter 18, verse, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. We live in a day and an age where people treat the word of God casually. Yes? Hey, Peters. That missionary from India said, Tom, over in India, he said, I had a Bible study and a man from America came over and all these men were there in this Bible institute. He said, that man from America came over. I can't do this because I was always born with stiff joints. But he sat down and he put his foot in. And you know how people sit like that and flop their knees sideways? That man sat, put his foot up, and he laid his Bible on his foot. What do you think all those young men in that Bible class did? They stood up and left. You could say, well, that sounds a little rough. You go to the Old Testament. Go to books like Ezra and Nehemiah. You find out when, when the word of God was opened, there was a reference. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have looked upon. I want you to know something. There are some priorities that are important in your life. If you are truly saved, if you're truly born again, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and Savior does not mean you add him to whatever else you're hoping is saving you. Savior means Christ, and Christ alone has saved you. You're not saved because of your baptism, your church membership, your mom, your dad, or anybody else. You're saved because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, that Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in stocks and bonds and singing praises and the jail opened up and then the jailer comes and he says these words. He was a Roman jailer. You have to understand in that time said all that was there and this jailer comes to and he says what to Paul? 
What must I do to be, there's a very important word at the end of this question, saved. And Paul launched into a three-hour message. Now he said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, you could look up here today and you could say, Tom, if I lived in John's day, if I saw Jesus, walked with Jesus, heard Jesus, saw all the miracles, my life would be different. I'd serve him like John. I want you to just take a moment. I'm going to run out of time. I'm on point number one. So wherever I stop, that's fine because God is good. I want you to take your Bibles back to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, just for a moment. As John wrote the Gospel of John, the epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. In John chapter 20, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John said these words. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. The Word of God says in John chapter 20, verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus was his name. Christ was not his name. What was Christ? It was his title. He was the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his Son. God has given us his word for a very express purpose. And folk, what a treasure. And yet, even as we have that treasure, and even as I just said, well, I didn't get to live and see all that John saw. You're in John chapter 20. I want you to back up. I think it's three. I'm going to call it three, whatever it is. I'm going to say three verses. I want you to come back to John chapter 20, verses 28 and 29. Right after John writes what he just wrote about the things of Jesus, Thomas, remember Thomas, the doubting disciple, apostle, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus had just showed him proofs. And Jesus answered to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Let me ask you today, are you blessed? Are you blessed even though you've not seen Jesus Christ? You need to realize you are. And God has told us that in his word. Blessed are those. You are blessed today because you live now. Blessed are those. Oh. Lifeway Research did a poll with Christians. Do you realize that only one in ten Christians have ever read their Bible through from Genesis to Revelation? I don't say that to, ch to chastise you. I say that to encourage you. Do you know how many people won't miss the news? How many people have to know what the weather is? And I could go through all these type of lists. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, the psalmist says in Psalm 119. Psalm 119.11, the word of God says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. As Paul would pen First and Second Timothy, 
And as Paul would say these words, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The preciousness of what has been given us. One in ten, only one out of ten Christians have read their Bible through once. One in five Christians, these are people that use the name Christian, never read their Bible. They just count on church, things like that. One in five. One in five read their Bible what they call regularly. Christian, I want you to know there's some things that are under attack today. One is the word Christian. You know, we're almost ashamed to use that word today. Don't you ever be ashamed of that word. Don't you ever be ashamed of the word Christian. The word of God tells us that at the church of Antioch, believers were first called Christian. Satan takes everything that God has ordained. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to muck it up. He wants to drag it down in the pig pen and just, but I tell you what, it's all about Jesus Christ. Not only is it important that you're born again and that you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but I want you to know that as, as you are a child of God, there is a blessed preciousness because God has chosen you. You've placed your faith and trust in him, and you may feel like there's things you've done, and there are, but God knew it all along. Pray for fellow believers. Pray for this church. Understand there's a great importance in your testimony. Great importance. I was told years ago, and I would encourage you with, with this today. Everyone who is trusted in Jesus Christ should have a short version of their testimony. It's 5 or 12, and I've got to end. And you know how much... I can sit up here and, and talk forever. When, when you give your test, and I can't. When you give your testimony to people, do you know that after three minutes, guess what's happened? Guess what happens? It's gone. You've now turned it into dribble and drab. I can remember as a young person getting involved with child evangelism fellowship, and the director of that said, I tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to get your testimony down to three minutes. Write it down. Put it there so that you can give your testimony because that's how long you've got people that are lost and are really going to pay attention. Make sure they know who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you. I want to encourage you today, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, your testimony is important. Get it down to where a lost person can get the essentials. Not only get it down to what is essential, but understand there's an importance too of growing in your salvation experience. Paul would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, I love how the King James says it. It says, study to show thyself approved. Now, I, I've been using the New King James for years. The New King, King James says, be diligent to present yourself approved. Now, you could say that's, you know, neither here nor there. I tell you what, how many of you like to study? Maybe some. Some of us do. Reading the Word of God is a choice. You'll find out that most things in your Christian life are a choice. And the very choices that you make have eternal ramifications. Not only, <laughs> when I say eternal ramifications, I need to be careful. You're not, you're saved because of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know the only thing you can take to heaven are souls. Your faithfulness to a holy God is vital. 
I want to finish up. I, you know, I was never going to tell all these stories today. I had one story I wanted to tell at the end. And I, I diverted, and I'm sorry. Because there is a preciousness. It's not about me. It's about our great God. It's about the Savior that we serve. It's about the Word of God and the importance. You look at this passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 1. Four verses here. First verse, you can see the realization of who Jesus Christ is. The second verse, you can see the importance of experiencing Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. The third verse, the importance of sharing Jesus Christ because of the experiences that are shown forth in verse 2. And the fourth verse, we live in a world without joy and hope. And you know what? We define joy as happiness. Joy is as far from happiness as you can get. Joy is what you have in Jesus Christ. And no matter what takes place, the foundation is firm. Okay, he'll carry me through. I trust in him. Seven months ago, and I know that you're many here and you think about your testimony and witnessing to people and you say, you know what? I've witnessed to this person again and again and again, and I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. It's, it's not going anywhere. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever quit being a light. Seven months ago, a man that had just turned 80 died. Man, his name was Jake Rogers. Jake lived about four miles from my parents' farm. Jake had three kids. Jake was an independent trucker, real good trucker. One of those guys that everybody wanted because of his ability to do many things with his 10-wheel. And you could say, well, what, what's it take to get a 10-wheeler? I could talk, call Jake up on housing, and Jake could take that 10-wheeler filled with crushed stone, and he could tailgate that driveway at two inches deep, as neat and as slick as you ever saw, with no clumps, no nothing. Guys that did blacktop loved Jake because of how he fed that blacktop out of his tree. He was just good. Not only was he good, but he knew where he could take his truck, no matter what the conditions. But Jake, Jake again, his, his, he lived about five miles from my parents' farm. They had three kids. They were just under my age. And up until a little over seven months ago, Jake was lost. About 40 years ago, Jake's second oldest son, Lee, and Jake had just had the gospel presented. They never went to church or nothing. Jake, Jake had the gospel presented to him. And the family was considering what they were hearing. But they had never heard about Jesus Christ. And Lee, their son, was coming home from work at 1130 at night, and they think he took the truck wheel and tried to dodge a raccoon they found dead on the road and Lee hit a tree head on and Lee was killed. And Jake would say, how can a loving God have allowed that to happen? And for 40 years, as people tried to witness to Jake, and Jake was a good man, much like Jake was an alcoholic prior because of the abuse with his family, never touched a drop of alcohol the rest of his life. Because he loved his wife and kids and knew what it did to him. But he wasn't saved. But he was bitter because of what happened with his son. Seven months ago, my brother Bobby, who worked with him much, and Bob now lives up at Cape Vincent, New York. Bobby got a call. He was told that Jake only had hours to a day to live because of cancer. Didn't know. Bobby... Bobby's heart was so convicted that he got on his knees in prayer. And as he prayed, he was he just 
He said, I, 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 he could not leave what he was doing to go down to Pennsylvania. And as he prayed, he got on the phone, and I wrote the other guy's name down, who I know, and now it's, it's slipping me. Ned Kraft. Bobby called Ned Kraft, who was a, another independent trucker, who had also for many, many years tried to tell Jake about Jesus Christ. And Jake was always the same. Bob and Ned prayed on the phone seven months ago. And Ned, that night, left and went to Jake's home. Knocked on the door, spoke to his wife, said, I heard things aren't going well. Can I, can I visit with Jake? He went in and he said, Jake, I want you to know something. Bobby Shemp gave me a call and we prayed. And he said, it's on our hearts that the most important thing you need to know about is Jesus Christ. And you know what Jake said? Jake said, I was hoping somebody would visit me. He said, you know, there's some guys that I've known my whole life. And he said, they're so different than everybody else. And they've always told me it's something to do with Jesus. And I know I've rejected it. It's just important to me right now. He said, tell me about Jesus. Do you know what Jake did seven months ago? He accepted Jesus Christ as his savior hours before he stepped into eternity. And you want to know why? Because people were faithful. My testimony doesn't count. Oh, it does. You may be here today and you could say, Tom, I want you to know I, I don't have the hope that you're talking about. I don't know what it is to have a personal living relationship with a living Savior. You know, Jesus is kind of like somebody that, that's passing. And, and, no, he's living God. Relationship is real. You may have never reached that point of understanding your sin. When the Bible says that we are to confess our sin, do you know what that word confess means? We think it means, well, we'll just tell God about it. Wrong. Wrong. When the Bible says confess your sin, it means to see your sin as God sees your sin. I want you to know, you want to find out what God thinks about sin, get into the word of God. The Ten Commandments weren't to show us how good we are. They're to show us how depraved we are. Do you know how many sins it takes you to separate your relationship with a holy God? How many did it take Adam and Eve? I tell you, one. And I guess I could spend more time. I spent too much time because we don't, you know, we're already separated from God because we came from sinful seed. But I need to finish up today. It may be that you've come here today and you've never known what it is to have the love of God fill your heart, to know that your sin is forgiven, to know that Jesus paid it all on the cross of Calvary. Why? Why did he love me so? Because God is a God of love. He's given every opportunity. And today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as Bob said, please, as we sing the last song, there would be nothing better than to take the time to open the word of God and show you how you can truly know that you are saved. You know, today you may not only be lost, but you could come here today and you could say, Tom, I trusted Jesus Christ. But, but man, I, I, I'm kind of backslidden. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm real bad. I'm here, but this is what I do. And I want you to know something. We have a holy God. He hasn't left where he is, you've drifted. He wants you to come back. 
You know, it's precious because when you come to the Word of God, and I want to encourage you again, because you come to the Word of God, you come to an Old Testament book called Jonah. As you come to the book of Jonah, you'll find out that that Jonah was a backslidden Christian. He was God's prophet. God called him, and what did Jonah do? He ran. He still knew some things were right. Hey, guys, you know, if you want to live on this boat, you got to throw me overboard. That wasn't repentance. That was a realization. You know what? Everybody's going to die because of me, and you might as well just get rid of the one bad egg. Throw me overboard. What's precious in Scripture? Jonah had turned his back on God. And, and don't get lost in the story. Look at our lives. Jonah turned his back on a holy God, and you come to Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, and when Jonah was in the belly of the whale, not one day, not two days, but going on what? Three days. Jonah chapter 2 verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Jonah chapter 2 verse 7. Sometimes it takes us a while. Do you know in Revelation chapter 3 it says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And we think that verse is about lost people coming to Jesus Christ. No! It's about the seven churches. It's about churches that are all about worship. But Jesus is on the outside. Christian, it can happen in our lives. Jonah reached that point where he knew the fellowship was broken with his God. My heart fainted within me. When you come to Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, Jonah says these words, salvation is of the Lord. You could be lost. You could be backslidden. You may be faithful today. Whatever you do, don't let pride take root in your heart. Understand with great humility, it's not about you. It's about a holy God. It's about what he can do through you, not what, not what he can do because he has you. There's a difference. Pastor David Auckland, who God used in my life for many years as my under-shepherd, the pastor of our church. I'll never forget the last Wednesday night. He was retired. He had Wednesday night services. And Pastor Dave stood up and preached. After prayer meeting, when Pastor Dave was done, he said, you're dismissed. And, and, and then he said, whoa, 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 come on back, come on back. I, I'm not done. He said, I don't know why it's on my heart, but he says, I want to tell you tonight. He said, don't quit. Don't quit. When the obstacles seem too big, have faith in God and you'll overcome. Trust in the Lord. Don't quit. Keep on. That Friday, he went into the hospital for minor outpatient surgery on his heart. The last words I ever heard Pastor Dave speak. Don't quit. How much of your life have you given to Jesus Christ? You know what? He he don't give. (laughs) He don't want a quarter. He don't want half. He don't want three quarters. How much does he want? All of it. Remember the rich young ruler came to the Lord. But he still is trusting in his wealth. You're not ready yet. I surrender all. Understand what God has given you in Jesus Christ. Know the preciousness of what he's given you here at First Baptist Church in Port Crane. Understand that until he calls you home, he wants you to be light and salt. He wants that lamp glowing and set up, not covered. 